there's that many of them until they stand up and go out, isn't it? <laughs> Bless the Lord. <laughs> That's our present and our future right there. All right. <clears throat> this um, parable is fairly well known, as they all are. And um, one of the dangers is that we just kind of look at it at the surface. There's a certain sort of obvious message on the surface, which is that, uh, look, God gave you some gifts call them talents. It's not just money. It could involve money. Some of you are wealthy or have other disposable income. God expects us to be generous and share that and invest it, so to speak, in the wider community. Also, you have talent and you have time. And um, God expects us to make use of these gifts in a way that not just pleases him, but builds up the kingdom, if you will, increases the wealth of the kingdom, which is not money wealth, but people wealth. Hmm? That's the real treasure of the church. The church's treasure is not money or golden candlesticks or beautiful buildings, but it's God's people. And these beautiful things are for God's people. So this is the sort of surface and obvious message. You'll either take these talents and make use of them and advance the kingdom, or you'll bury it and say, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't just, I, you can't trust people. They're going to use you and abuse you. And, you know, you're just going to run and hide. And this guy, he's trying to set me up for failure and run and hide and just do nothing with it. Um, and that's not why God gave the gift. So at some level, the parable has that obvious thing. We will be judged or held to account one day for how and whether we use the gifts that God gave us. But there's a deeper message that the church wants us to see in the readings this weekend. And there's a theme that's in all three of the readings prior to this gospel, and that is the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Hmm? And we can talk about the word fear in two different ways. There's sort of what we might call imperfect or servile fear. Servile fear means the fear of a slave in the presence of the master or uh, you know, the, the, presence, the fear of a worker in the presence of the supervisor or what have you. And it's a fear of punishment primarily, of getting some bad news just because you didn't do something right or something to that effect. So that's what we would call imperfect or servile fear. Now, by the way, there is a place for that in life. You know, people, oh, we don't want to have any of that. Well, we want to grow out of it, but at the end of the day, sometimes we need a little bit of that, especially, you know, you are parents out there. You know, you can't always reason with your kids when they're really small. You got to sometimes just say, no dessert. <laughs> Into your room for three hours, or maybe more controversial, a little swat on the behind. <laughs> But reasoning with them, you know, it's mostly the fear of punishment is what you've got when they're little. And ideally, as they grow older, you can start to reason with them and say, now look, there's a blessing if you do this, and there are burdens if you don't. But that comes later. And most of us in our spiritual journey are also at different stages. Hmm? And so sometimes the fear of punishment, of going to hell, or of receiving other punishments, or of blocking our blessings from God are important things that we need to read about and Jesus makes use of it in all of these things these parables he's basically saying you don't do right you're going to, you're going to go to hell <laughs> and there's a lot of people that object to that type but Jesus spoke like that and he used that fear of punishment because not all of us are mature 
and he knows how we are. You can go on and have your master's degree and your PhD, but still be spiritually very immature. The only thing that works is I'm going to take something from if you don't straighten up and fly right. <laughs> Sometimes that's all we get. Saint, I mean, that's all we understand. That's like St. Teresa of Avila said, you know, we're so worldly. The only thing we understand is ready cash, ready cash. I need, I need the blessing right now. I need to be able to go out and spend it. Or the opposite side, the only thing we understand is God taking our ready cash, <laughs> taking something from us or punishing us or even worse, you know, going to hell. So there's something that we need to say about imperfect or servile fear. It does have a place. And sometimes we need a little of it. If that's all you got, go with it. Go with it. Okay. Now, there is, though, a higher fear. It's a fear that is what we call filial fear. Filial fear means that I fear offending someone because I love them. I don't want to hurt them or offend them. I value their esteem. I value their role in my life. I love them. I depend on them, but I also love them. So a son or a daughter ideally loves their parents and this was what we mean by filial fear. It's the fear of a son or a daughter for their parents. And in this case, God. And we hope to come to a place in our life where as we grow spiritually, that we leave behind that kind of infantile, I'm going to get crushed like a bug if I don't do right, you know, that kind of fear of punishment. And just say, look, I just love God. And I don't want to offend him or hurt anyone he loves by doing bad stuff. Because I love him, and I love what he loves, and I love who he loves. He's been good to me. You know, just that beautiful song we sang on the way in today, you know? The Lord's been so good, and I love him. And I don't want to offend him or hurt someone he loves or in some way limit his kingdom. Or We can never harm God's intrinsic glory, but we can harm his external glory because we make it harder for other people to see it through sinful lives and through the smoke of Satan that we throw up when we throw out when we when we sin so again i love the lord i love him and i don't want to hurt him or offend him but i want to say to you that you say well that doesn't sound like fear well it is there is a fear there and you know what at the end of the day some people are very dismissive of fear at all. But you know, the Lord does tell us to fear him, whether that's imperfect fear or the more perfect fear. But look, God loves you, and he loves me. And even when we're in touch with that love and we just don't want to offend him because we love him, we remember God loves me so much, but he expects to be taken seriously. He's not just my buddy. He's not an equal with me. He's not just my friend. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. And I should always reverence him and realize that I'm not his equal. He's the Lord. He expects to be taken seriously. And there is a certain fear that we should maintain of offending him just because of who he is. And yes, let it then be softened with this, I really love him. He's been good to me. So we, we don't want to completely remove the word fear, even with perfect fear. The word fear is used for a reason. 
Okay, so God, no one loves you more than Jesus. And yet no one, you know, he's still the Lord and he expects to be taken seriously. There's a reverential fear to hold God in awe as the great creator of all things, as the ruler, the Lord of ages. And when he speaks, no one can unspeak. And when he unlocks the door, no one can lock it. And when he, op- when he locks the door, no one can open it. And by gosh, I better be on the right side of that door at the right time. Because I'm going to tell you right now, he is the Lord. And he ought to be taken seriously. And people today, many people, not all, of course, I pray none of you, have trivialized God. And kind of turned him into this old grandfather. Or Jesus turned Jesus into a harmless hippie who just affirms and just wants everyone to feel good. And that's just not who Jesus was if you open the scriptures. He loves us, but he also says, don't do this. Don't do that. He also warns us. And so we want to find then, as we look at this gospel, not in detail, but kind of over, overview of the gospel, we want to look at how fear works and how there's a productive fear and a destructive fear. There's an imperfect fear manifest here. And there's also a perfect or a, a more wholesome fear. So let's look at the, there's three men. And two of them exhibit a good, healthy fear of the Lord. And one rep, just represents an imperfect fear of the Lord, fear of punishment. So. Let's look at maybe the negative example first so that we can end with the positive. There are three men, and each of them, it says, receives different amounts based on their talent. Now, somebody said, oh, it's not fair. We should all get the same amount. Okay, okay. But, you know, in life, some of you out there are gifted at math. I'm not. It's not fair. Well, it, it is what it is. I mean, like my, I, had two, you know, I have two other brothers, two younger brothers, and both of them are very gifted at the math and science and all that stuff. And I struggled to just get C's and maybe B minuses in math. They would sleep through the class and still get an A. <laughs> but I'm more linguistic. I'm more, um, I'm more you know, what do you call it, uh, literary. I'm, I, I, I'm familiar with writing and speaking and teaching and so on, and that's my gift. So you might say they're digital and I'm analog, <laughs> if anybody remembers those distinctions. But at the end of the day, um, we all have different gifts. We don't all have the same gifts. Aren't you glad, really? You know, because if we all have the same gifts, we'd, there'd be some gifts that no one has. <laughs> so, again... We are all given different things, you know, and we were given this, if you were dealt to certain cards and we got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to run and know when to walk away <laughs> or run and run, know when to run. So again, we, some people bristle at this idea that he gave them different amounts, but it tells us why, eat to each according to his ability. Now, one of them or two of them do well, we're going to get back to them, but the one who doesn't do well. You know, let's take a look at him. He fears this master. He fears this owner of the investment. See, he fears him in a bad way. He says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reading into it, but I think you'll see here that it's pretty well 
attested in the text itself. He says, out of fear, I went and buried your talent, your stupid coin, because you were setting me up. You harvest where you didn't plant, you unjust man. You do things that I don't approve of. You live off of other people's work. and You then gave me this thing. You were setting me up. I know how you are. You're a hard man. I can't trust you. So out of fear of punishment, because I know you're just trying to get me set up. I didn't lose any of it. Here's the stupid money back. Now, I'm, I'm being a little theatrical, as I'm prone to be. Somebody said, were you ever an actor, Father? <laughs> I've been an actor all my life. No, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, I'm intensifying it so you get an idea here. He doesn't see this man as a reasonable man that he can work with. Now, the other two do. We'll look at that. He says, I ain't, uh-uh, uh-uh, this ain't right. First of all, they got more than I did. I'm angry about that. And then secondly, this guy's setting me up. He's just trying to find some reason to crush, crush me. So I'm not going to lose any of this stuff. I'm hiding it, and he'll get it right back. He'll have no reason to bring any charges against me. Now, again, he's not even thinking, maybe I should have invested it with, in a bank with some interest. But that's, that involves risk. What if they lose it? And I'm still in trouble. No, I'm going to bury it. I need to be in control. I ain't trusting nobody including this owner, and I'm not trusting bankers, and I'm not trusting anyone with whom I invested. You can't trust people. Just hell is other people. I'm a rock. I'm an island. And a rock never cries, and an, and, and, and an island never is lonely. You know, I'm just, I'm this, I'm not going to trust anybody. Okay. So he's fruitless. He's furious. He's fearful, and then he forfeits everything. Because, you know, you can't bear fruit in life without running some risk. People want life to be without risk. Sorry, no can do. You get up out of bed in the morning, you're going into risk. <laughs> you see? And some people are very controlling. They don't want anything to be uncertain, and they just hide, and they're, they're very tight in the little world, and they just won't trust others. And unfortunately today, I think in our culture, there's a lot of people who become very cynical. And they think, oh, you can't. This, the whole thing is rigged. It's all rigged. You can't win. It's all rigged against you. You know, maybe it's about race. Maybe it's about rich versus poor. Maybe it's about, you know, us versus them. Our tribe versus their tribe. But you can't trust people. No, no, no. You can't get out there and meet people and cross over some of those boundaries. you got to stay safe. you got to stay all. See, and what do we do? We get less and less fruitful. You see, life involves risk and involves trust. And it involves generally assuming, generally, there's going to be exceptions, but generally assuming goodwill and that we have shared interests that we can work together on. Even if we have other areas where we disagree, we can still come together and work on things we do believe in. You see? But some are like, nope, us versus them. Enemy and friend. That's it. Very, very binary. Very, a world that's very separated. And it gets very small very quickly today. 
People get locked in their little silos and they don't trust and they won't get out. They won't grow. They won't see any other side of anything. And so it is that this man is filled with all kinds of fear. And regarding the owner, he's filled particularly with a fear of punishment, a fear of uh, reprisals. And that's what we call the imperfect fear, which has its place, but something if we really want to bear fruit that we have to grow out of. All right. So we see the picture of this imperfect fear. But let's look at the two other men who do bear fruit. And let's um, see that how different they are. There's something about this, these two men that they say, well, look, I've received, I've received something to work with. I, uh, someone has invested in my business or someone's trusting me with their wealth to go out and do something with it. That's exciting. That's an opportunity. Wow. And somehow they seem, it's implied, but they seem to see this man as reasonable. He wants me to go and do something with this and try to earn money. Now, if something goes wrong and something fails, I may have something to pay for it, but he's a reasonable man. And I think I can work with him. You know, I can't guarantee the results of everything I'm about to do. There are risks, but I think this man is a reasonable guy. He's given me this. He's entrusted me with this. And I think I can go and both work with him and work with others to build up what he wants. And then maybe that'll open doors for me. And my life will unfold and go in a positive direction. I, I, I have to face some fears, but I have to move past them and say, look at the opportunity. <gasps> what an opportunity, you see, to advance, to get up higher, to make fruitfulness and see new worlds and open new doors and oh, wow you see see how different and there's a lot of people that no longer see for example our country that way a land of opportunity well there are isn't it interesting that inside there's a lot of people getting very angry at our culture at our country and there are things to be angry about but there are people who are literally dying to get here and I know we have all kinds of debates about how they're coming across our southern border, but they still see this land as a place of opportunity, and they're willing to take risk. <laughs> and some, there's something different in their psyche than some people who are just, it's all fixed, the system's rigged, I can't prosper, it's evil. And, just, and then where you go with that? Yes there's, yes, there's problems. Yes, there are injustices. Somehow you just got to find your way through it and work through it anyhow and just overcome anyway. And there's something powerful about learning to say, I've been given some gifts from God, and maybe not as many as other people. So other people might seem to have more opportunities. I wasn't born rich. I was born poor. I wasn't born white and in, in the noble class. I was born black, and I lived in the inner city. But, you know, I can still get up and work with what I got and build. See? And there's a kind of a different psyche there. It says, yeah, okay, there's injustices, but guess what? Away with them. I'm going to overcome them anyway. And I'm not going to give up on my faith. I'm not going to give up on you know, my country. I'm just going to keep on thriving and do the very best I can. All right. So mentalities are very important, aren't they? These two men say, well, there's dangers. There's risk out there. I might blow it. I might you know, line up with the wrong people or I might uh, face uh, 
trouble from people who won't, you know, trade or deal with me. But you know what? I'm going to get out there and do my very best. And I'm going to try to win some, some territory for the kingdom. I'm going to get out there. They're doing it. And the master comes back. And they both doubled their efforts. See, this man is a reasonable man. I think I can work with him. Even if it goes poorly, I may have something to answer for, but still, I think he wants me to step out. And I think I can trust some other people and build on this and build a community around these funds and whatever I've got to do, you see? Okay, so three men. Two with a good, pretty good positive attitude. One with a very bad attitude. One is in a paralyzing fear. Now let's look at the fear, though, that these other two men have. Their, their fear, they do have a fear. They say, look, I think that he, need, he wants me to do something with this. And I respect this man. And he wouldn't have given me this money to go and bury it. He wants it to grow. And so I respect him. He asked me to take some risk. He's saying, I'm entrusting you with this fund. He's taking a risk in me, and he wants me to risk some and get out there and see what I can do with it. I respect this man. He's been good to me, but he does expect something of me. Yes. So they have a kind of reverential fear, a fear that's rooted in feeling blessed for the opportunity, a fear that says, this man's been good to me. I'm on board with him. I think I can work with him. But I need to take him seriously. He expects me to do something with this. See, but it's, so both have fear, but one has a reverential, respectful fear that's fruitful and stays in a relationship with the one who is feared. And the other one that says, I will not deal with you. I'm terrified of you, and I will not, not, I will not live in fear of you. I'm going to just bury it and go ignore you, and then when I have to face you, here's your stupid thing back. But I will not be in a trusting relationship with you because you're not out for my good. Okay. So who are you? Who am I? What kind of fear do you have? Now, look, I think we all need a little occasional fear of punishment. <laughs> That helps a little. Let's just be honest. There's some laws we keep because we just don't want to get punished. <laughs> I never smoked dope in my life <laughs> because I didn't want to get arrested. <laughs> That's all I had? Fine. I went with it and it worked. You know, There's some things I just don't do because I don't want to get in trouble. All right. But ideally, I have a higher motive. I want to reverence the temple of my body because God gave it to me. I don't want to sully it with all kinds of drunkenness or getting, you know, in sobriety, see. Uh, I, I love God, and he gave me this. He expects me to let my, my mind be alive. Likewise, uh, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't want to get arrested, but I, I also want the common good. I love my brothers and sisters, and I don't want to contribute to disorder. I want to be a sign of order. I don't want to get involved with things that tend to tear down the family or the you see, so you see, I'm trying to reason with you, you see. Now, it's more than smoking dope. I mean, it's all the other things. Like, you know, if you won't stay chaste for your own sake, would you do, please do it for the rest of us? You know, that unchastity is ripping our families apart. And God told us not to be unchaste, not because he's unreasonable and wants to take away our fun, but because he loves us. And he says, you're going to get in the hurt locker real bad 
if you start messing around, playing around with this stuff. So he warns us, and we ought to reverentially love him and say, all right, Lord, you've told me, and that's enough. And I don't want to ruin other people's lives either. Okay? It's about so many things, about greed. Lord, there's such poverty in the world, and I'm clinging to things I don't need. Help me to be more generous. Because you're generous, Lord, and I love you. I want to imitate you. And I also love my brothers and sisters. And I want to bless them. And you gave me my wealth to be generous with others, starting with my family, but not ending there. So I don't want to go through every moral possibility, but I'm trying to get you to see that we can say, man, if I don't do this, I might go to hell, or the government might come after me, or someone might rob me. Okay, if that's all you got, go with it. But there's another way. The reverential fear. I love the Lord. And he's been so good to me. And he's given me many gifts. Maybe not all the gifts I wanted, but he's given me gifts. And by gosh, I love him. And I want to do good with these things. And I know he expects me to get out there and do something with these things. And so out of a reverential fear that's rooted in gratitude and love and, and, and just this beautiful sense of how good God has been to me, then I get out there and I do what he wants. So you can keep the commandments because you have to, or you can keep them because you want to. <laughs> and it depends on what kind of fear is operative. So I hope this has not been too opaque. But I see, you see there are three men. Two of them do well. One of them gets locked in this angry fear of punishment that runs and hides from the giver of the gifts. Don't be that guy. You get the message? Don't be that guy. Be the other two. And go to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. Good to me, Lord. And I, I hold you in awe. I love you, and I want what you want. And I know that you expect something of me. So I do have a reverential fear of you. But I know I can trust you. And if I struggle or if I fall, you'll help me. You're not going to ride my back about every little personal thing. You're going to help me to get back up. I trust you, Lord. I love you. You've given me gifts. And I want to get out there, and I want to share those gifts with others. Amen.